welcome to Workplace Hugs. I am Rami. And I'm Shannon. And uh, we're excited to talk to you guys about uh, a fun topic today. Uh, but before we get there, let's do quick introductions and then let's talk about what Workplace Hugs is. Um, let's talk about Workplace Hugs first, maybe. And then, because if people don't want to listen to that, they don't want to listen to us. So Let's do it. Uh, workplace Hugs is really a place for Shannon and I to talk about things that intrigue us um that will are are things that we've learned or things that we've inadvertently learned and are now realizing that we have that skill set or or we want to have that skill set um most of the time it's it's shannon has that skill set and i would like to steal uh, from her. <laughs> um, and so and I'm vice versa actively, actively stealing from shannon um same but it's it's the things that I think we want to know, but or we do know, but we don't know that we know them. Um, I think today's topic kind of hits on that pretty well on the nose, and and maybe you'll agree if you continue to listen to us. Um, but let's do our background. Shannon, tell us about you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, I'm Shannon. I am an executive coach based here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I spent the first ten years of my career in four different Fortune 500 companies in various roles, sales, inventory, supply chain, you name it. I probably did it. Two years ago, though, I left that lifestyle behind, favoring the flexibility found in entrepreneurship, and I am never looking back. <laughs> she says that now. And then in a few <laughs> years, she'll be the CEO of something. And then, and then we'll all wonder. And we'll be like, look, we recorded it. Um, Dang it. Uh, I'm Rami. I am a business person. Um, that sounds dumb. The, uh, last 10 years of my life, I've spent the first six in a really big company. And then the next few years, um, in small tech CPG hybrids and then in, in fully e-commerce company. So it, for me, it's more the, the tech small startupy side mm-hmm. of things. Uh, but that's enough about us. Let's let's hop into the topic. So yeah, yeah. the way that we like to do this is um, really in in three pieces. It's the overview, what we call the thirty thousand feet. Uh, really, what's the topic? What does it look like? Um, then we like to do the dirt level, tactical, real life examples portion, and then that bring it back to eye level, which is how do you take some of these and and, and try to use them in your real life? How do you benefit from from these learnings. Um, so this week, I want to talk about the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin by Walter Isaacson. Benny, Shane, Benny. Have you read any books by Walter Isaacson? I have read zero books by Walter Isaacson. Every book by Walter Isaacson is about 12 books. Um, oh my God. He's done biographies on Einstein, um, Benjamin Franklin. Uh, his most famous one might be Steve Jobs. And have you read um, them all? Oh, yeah. They are dense tomes that just go into every aspect of the person. Wow. Um, most recently was Da Vinci, which is also fascinating. We'll probably talk about that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about Ben Franklin. So Ben Franklin, uh, founding father, fascinating person. There's so many things that he invented that I don't think people realize, like a lightning rod. Uh, I think people would realize that one. He made so much money on lightning rods, though. It's amazing. Try again, Rami. Uh, <laughs> Knew it. <clears throat> this uh, is kind of fun. Let's do a quiz. What else? Uh, fire departments. 
No, no idea. I did not know he invented fire departments. That's pretty cool, right? Are you kidding? That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah. that's incredible. The other cool thing I learned about fire departments is if you didn't pay for them back in the day, uh, they just let your house burn down. And the way they knew you paid oh. for it was you had a plaque. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Wow. So well done. Kind of like uh, herd immunity when it comes to it. Like if your neighbor on the right had it and your neighbor on the left had it, you're like, yeah, they're not going to let my house burn down unless it's on fire. Wow. Prevent the other two from burning down. Wow. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Benjamin Franklin invented fire departments. I mean, mostly. So he loved the academic side of conversation and debating. And he started this group called the Junto and they would debate about all sorts of things. But what I want to talk about is how he found that people didn't like him when he would win debates when he would argue for his points it would actually turn people off and he wanted to be a man of the people so badly that he had to find another solution to winning debates i'm gonna say winning with quotes around it uh because i don't know that you win a debate um but he found a new way to debate that still let him win and and made people not despise them um Mm which was just asking questions to disprove um, someone else's point. Yes. I think you were incredible at this, by the way. Me? Yes. I'm reflecting back to when we were peers and you would just pop by my desk and within like five minutes, you would be asking me some question that would put me like on the edge of my seat, like, oh crap, maybe I should be doing it a different way. Oh, well, I guess I just always need to be right, which is just dumb. Um, The... uh... False. You do not always need to be right. You're just really great at asking questions. And as you say, we foil each other. Yes. Yes, we do. So I think what's fascinating to me is it isn't a way to get people to like you, but it's just a way to make sure that people don't actively dislike you. Hmm. Right. And I think it's the way that you ask the question too. like, you can't come off super condescending. Like the question has to be asked, I think in earnest, and almost from like a inquisitory perspective, mm. kind of like, oh, how would that work? Or like, why, why, why would you say that that's absolutely the case? Mm. Um, and his point was, if you can get them to kind of put their foot in their mouth and say, either disprove themselves or say something that doesn't make any sense, then it, then it opens you up to ask more questions, right? Like as soon as they've made that one misstep, then you just jump on it and keep going. Oh, Wow. This is taking a really dark turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, just in the sense of like, I don't know, just like the winning debate element of it. I think about questions from a very different perspective, from like a coaching perspective of like helping someone build self-awareness, like a much more lovey, empathetic place. So it's interesting to hear questions being used as a weapon to disarm your opponent. Yeah, that's exactly it, though. And I think for people who may not have the authority or may not have the the title i think it's a good way to allow you to get your point across in a way that people may not give you the option mm-hmm. if that makes sense it makes perfect sense okay so let's hop right into the dirt tactical level um, yeah i've got an example i want to walk through off the nose and then maybe maybe we've got a few more here so please i was talking to my friend about this she's in tech and we were talking 
about like oh how's like work how's everything and she was saying well it's the weirdest thing like my boss who's a female and there's very few females in their company was told not to disagree with people oh wow oh wow which is super like wrong but that doesn't like it happened so that sounds like a really healthy workplace culture oh for sure lots of hugs happening there lots of hugs (laughs) probably not the kind that we're talking about nope um she was told not to disagree with people and so she kind of inadvertently or inadvertently started going about this approach right she started to just ask questions to break down the other side when she knows that whoever's trying to prove a point is wrong wow um and so she's taken that on from her boss which got us talking about ben franklin who does it in the same way and i think it's so fascinating because in that situation it's i come from a place of no power being told that i have no power and should not debate Mm. And so I just think it's so fascinating because she made it sound like it's working. I believe that it's working because I've seen it work. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's an interesting situation to be in, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you Mm -hmm. think? I just think it's fascinating. What's more coming to mind to me is how much time did I spend in my career really focusing on how to properly debate? I don't think I spent a lot of time thinking about that. What did you spend time on then? Was it just getting people to like you? I mean, not getting people to like me, but I think there's something to be said for being able to build consensus to like get to, uh, I've always had a strong bias toward action. So I think my bias toward action put me in a place where I'm just thinking like, okay, how do we get consensus so we can move forward with something versus debating spending too much time debating until we know we have the right answer, quote unquote. I'm not saying that's the right way. I'm just, I'm just reflecting on that. So do you think the bias towards action doesn't allow for enough time to like fully like pressure test? Completely. The the solution? Yes. Like in the sense that I would so much rather, I would say this is my old type if you will but i would so much rather be like okay like but what are we going to do about it like let's just like get to a point of decision so we can get on to like fixing the solutioning phase if you will no and i think that's fair i think what you're because what i'm inferring and i think what happens to a lot of us in in busy fast-moving environments is Mm -hmm. we just don't have time to like vet out it's more like everybody everybody cool with this good like let's go do this thing and like yes forward so as you're describing this woman and her tech company, I'm just thinking like, oh, wow, the culture that we both know and shared in, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I didn't experience a lot of debates in that culture. Some, but they weren't, they were very short lived. Do you think it was, there was too much power in the wrong places and people weren't willing to challenge it? Yes, of course. No doubt. What, what is your perception? How much time do you spend in your workday, like, thinking about how to win a debate? I don't know that it's actively thinking about how to win a debate. I think, for me, it's knowing that we can always come up with a better solution. And so I think I would Mm. rather spend the time talking through it, whether or not people want to, to get to the right place. Mm. But I just really like talking. And so I think especially in a culture so so i would say like 
my most recent experience in a tech company, the bias is very much towards action without even thought. It's more, oh. hey, let's do this thing. And everybody goes, okay, cool. And then 20 minutes later, everybody goes, we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that leads to what, I, what I've realized, and I think the reason I'm changing is I think it's, re, it's brought us to a place where we'll get aligned, I'm using air quotes, aligned on, on a solution and a path that we want to go down, but without any reason why. And so mm. I've, I've been going back and asking, like, why are we doing this? Like, what's the purpose of this? Where's the design brief on what we're trying to accomplish and who are we doing it for? And, yes. and did someone even ask for this? Or yes. is, are we inferring that someone wants this? Yes. And having done that as much as I have over the last few months, I've really realized that without sitting down and really de- debating, as it were, and making sure that we're pressure testing before we choose, mm. we're wasting a lot more time interesting i'm sure i mean i don't disagree with that whatsoever i'm reflecting on so when i'm not coaching i do contract work and i'm reflecting on one of my uh, contract gigs right now and i think i just maybe use a different term i don't think about it as debating i don't know what term i would put on it but yeah i do ask a lot of questions and i literally even um have gotten to the point where in this role i have to like influence influence people who are pretty tough to influence sometimes. So I'll literally put bullet point. Here's what I think we should do. And then like, why like Mm -hmm. to get there because we don't maybe put enough thought into why we're even doing things. There's something about, I think about leaders who have gotten where they have through intuition that they think Mm -hmm. that their intuition should be unchecked. I've got a boss like that. And and anytime they make a decision, it's like, okay, they made the decision, we're running with it. And I've actively started to like question their decision or tell mm. them like, hey, we made the wrong decision. And I don't know that people do that. And so mm. I, I remember one instance, they were going through a list of like, they were like, all right, I've got five things I want to talk about. And they like brought up the first one. And I was like, I disagree with that. Like, it's wrong. We did the wrong thing. Like, we didn't do that right. They got into the second point. And I think I caught them so off guard that they just ran out of points. And they're like, all right, I got to go. What? Yeah. And everybody else who I was sitting with was kind of like, I've never seen anybody disagree with them before. I don't think they know how to deal with disagreement. Wow. Wow. I'm a little bit stunned. I can't imagine someone just being like, okay, peace. See you later. But I think that's kind of that, like kind of what we're getting at is like when, when people have that strong intuition, unless people are actively challenging them or like trying to disprove them by asking questions. Mm. I think they go unchecked, which leads you to moving really quickly without a lot of direction, right? It's Mm. the intuition will keep us successful, but I mean, I don't know if that's always the case. Hmm. Yeah. It's just, this is really turning things on its head for me because with a coaching approach, you really think about asking thoughtful questions to help a person build self-awareness, right? Like that's what coaching is all about, like raising self-awareness to invite change. And so for me, it's just, I'm just thinking like I, I, as a coach intentionally try to avoid certain types of questions that are going to put the client in a position of defensiveness because that is not getting them to a place of self-awareness. So as an example in coaching, you very rarely to never want to use a question that starts with the word why. 
because it instantly puts the client in defensive mechanism mode. Yep. Um, and so that's where maybe for me, I'm just like, this topic is just blowing my mind a little bit because I have been removed from that corporate setting where maybe there was more debate. And now I'm using questions to build self-awareness. So again, maybe it's just that word debate that's throwing me off a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know that it's specifically needed in debate. I think it's more in conversation of maybe it's more in like alignment conversations of Mm. like, how how do we make sure we're all agreed? Yeah. I think it's just, how do you make sure that if you're not in a power position and, and your opinion may not be readily accepted? Yes. How, how do you kind of, in a, uh, how do you advertedly, advertedly get your point in there or disprove what you know, what you know is wrong, right? Hmm. So the other thing, and maybe I'm going to take the conversation in a direction that is a little bit off topic, but the other thing that's striking me right now is, Rami, one thing that I'm really working on personally right now is... what I call taking off my superhero cape and like leaving it on the hook. Meaning like when I'm really tempted to jump in and like rescue a situation, like perfect example yesterday where this topic of asking questions and debating is coming up. We're talking about like, how are we going to annual bonus um, the support team at this contract that I'm working at right now? Mm -hmm. And it's not my job, but believe me, do I ever want to throw on that superhero cape and get in and recognize because I am seeing an, train wreck headed our way based on the way that they're proposing it so it's fascinating to me to think about this conversation of like well when do you ask questions i don't know i i see this tendency in a lot of people that i coach where they have this tendency to want to throw on the cape and rescue um so i i'm i guess i'm maybe challenging you in this conversation to say how much of the time is it you is it actually your role to ask those questions versus like you're trying to like save a person from themselves? <laughs> but I think that's what it is, right? Like I think if, if someone came in and goes, I have this really dumb idea, like it's this thing. And I think. I really hope someone says that, by the way. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you go, well, no, that's a really dumb idea. Uh, can you help like us understand this point of your dumb idea? And if they can't like articulate <laughs> or like explain it. And then like, I think it's just. I think what you're saying is right. Like you leave your cape, but I think you still ask the questions. And then at the point at the end of that, where they go, wow, those are really good points. You want to go and write this? You go, well, no, it's not my problem. Like my cape's over there. Like I'm not doing this thing. Yeah. But like I'm here to like be a thought partner and help you think through how to get through this thing. If sure. You just need someone to ask you questions because you can't think through it yourself. And what if the room is not open I wouldn't say they're not open to questions, but what would you recommend for people who are in a position where I'm going to get in dangerous territory here, but maybe where there's so many big egos in the room that like literally you can't even get a word in edgewise because others just want to hear themselves talk. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think what you have to do in that situation is like one, pick your battles really, really smartly Mm. and make sure that when you do get a word in edgewise, that it's the right word and it gets people to like, take a step back and think right the whole point of asking the question to disprove someone else's point is that you say something that gets them to either undo what they've said or get everybody to kind of stop and think about it Mm. if you do those two things i think you then have rewarded yourself by being invited isn't this just fascinating because i'm finding that i have such like an adverse reaction to all the negative language that we're using and again, I guess it goes back to like using questions differently from a coaching mindset, but imagining asking questions to disprove someone is like the antichrist. 
in coaching. But it's not to disprove. So let's go back on that. So it's not to disprove the person. I think it's in the larger scheme to make sure that your company or your group of people is is moving in the direction that you know is right. And so if that takes getting rid of the bad to get to the good, then I think that's that's how you get there. I think yes. it's less about winning debates. It's less about making yourself look smart. It's more about making sure as a group, you guys are deeply thinking about the proper solution before you take action. Mm-hmm. And that I can get on board with. What's coming to mind for me is the like the first ever coach training that I did as a, a second experience, like leader of the team. Um <laughs> It was fascinating because they introduced, like, here are the two foundational elements of coaching. You have to believe that people are whole and, like, capable. And then the second foundational element is that people do things for a very good reason. And so sometimes I would have an analyst that was doing what I thought was just for reeking, like, not the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got more training on how to properly coach that I realized, oh, I need to be doing some inquiry here more to figure out like what is making this person think that this is the right solution? Like, cause there is something about him, like he is whole and capable and he's doing this for a very good reason. So like, what is his very good reason? Mm-hmm. So maybe I just have a different, I'm maybe have shifted my interest to being more interested in the human element of it of like, Oh, what's making this person think that this is a great idea. Like, what is it about their beliefs, their behaviors, whatever, versus the uh, actual, like, problem itself? Well, no, and I think you can definitely approach it that way in a large group of people, but you're going to get to real talk real fast. And yeah. I think you're going to get someone to cry. I think at that point you're going to be a bully. I'm really good at getting people to cry. In large groups? Um, yeah. I just... I'm really good at getting people in touch with their feelings. I feel like if someone came to me with a dumb idea and I was like, what about your childhood made you think that would just be rude? I think that's just not the approach for a large group. I mean, this is the difference of where I'm, again, I'm a few years removed from that corporate setting. <laughs> and you used in, to ask those questions. I, I used to ask those questions to people in large groups. <laughs> and now I get to do it in the comfort of a private office with just them and me. And I think, but that's where I think like, if it's someone that reports into you, I think it's easier to have those types of conversations say like, Hey, help me understand like why you're doing this thing mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and readjust them because at the end of the day, like as a direct report to you, like what they do reflects on you and you want what's best for them. Mm. I think in a place where you don't have influence over the group or the person, I think you have to, if you know that the solution they're coming up with is wrong, you have to find a way to try and steer that. And if it's asking questions to disprove the other person, or to just to poke holes in the argument so that you guys can get to a better solution, mm. then I think you're getting there in the same way. It just happens to be how you attack it in that setting versus a one-on-one setting. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating discussion. Okay, so let's do this back to eye level. Let's bring it home. I guess I can kick this one off. I think what I would say is ask more questions. I think if you're in a group of people, you don't have the power in that situation. I would say be choosy about when you ask the question, but make sure that when you ask it, it's something that is going to get people to 
take a step back and think about what what they're choosing to align to, mm. especially if you have experience knowing that that solution isn't correct. Mm. Especially if you can say like, hey, that's an interesting idea. I've actually done something similar and here's how it didn't work for us. So what do we know about this solution that's different than that experience that I have? Mm. I love what you shared and I'd layer two, two thoughts on top of it. And one is one that I mentioned before. So the first is a lesson in coaching again of like the asking what and how questions versus why so that you're getting to the heart of it versus getting people in a defensive mode. And then um, the second thought is really being thoughtful about what, what do you want this question to do? Like, what is this question doing for you? And that might sound so to some people like what I never think about that as a coach, we have to think about that all the time. Like, what are you trying to get this question to do or serve this the conversation as it might be? And then the third thought would be around a concept of appreciative inquiry. But I think I'm just going to save that for another day. That's like a whole yeah. topic in and of itself. Let's, let's save that. Uh, so save this it. Is unappreciative inquiry. <laughs> Since that's what it is. I would say the only other thing is make sure the question isn't condescending. I think to Shannon's mm. point, the why question can come off very condescending. Mm-hmm. So it's the hows that really get you to a place where the person being asked doesn't feel like you're talking down to them but you're just doing it because you genuinely want to better the situation, right? Like, I think I think where we started was win debates, and I think where we've ended is better the situation, and I think that's really what the whole purpose of this is. Yeah. Now, if you happen to win the debate, awesome. That's great. Woo-hoo. If Especially if it helps give you some kudos in a, a space where you aren't naturally given them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's how do you ask questions the right way, and, and hopefully when you when you get stuck, in a situation you know that there's a better solution, you can you can step up, ask that question, and and think of our good friend Ben Franklin, because he'd be proud of you. Oh, God bless Benny. Benny, uh, Shannon, what are we gonna talk about next week? Next week, I really want to talk about grit. grit? This word grit, like shrimp and grit. Uh, I wish we were talking about shrimp and grits, but I mean like. Like your stick to your grit in the workplace. I'm really curious to hear like what you think about the word grit. What you think about grit in the workplace? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it indifferent? And I listened to an interesting podcast. Hmm, more podcasts. Uh, and read a book about getting grit. Because I think people rip on millennials with this grit concept. Like, oh, millennials aren't gritty. So I'm, I'm really wanting to I'm delve intrigued. into that. I'm intrigued. I will uh, study... The various levels of sanding paper in yes please yes thank you because <laughs> uh, i think that's the most easily defined so i will come with stats and charts sandpaper excellent i sold sandpaper in my very first job out of college fun fact really <laughs> yes it, it's based on a grit level right yeah yeah there's grit but i can't remember for the life of me which maybe tells you how good i was at this job uh <laughs> if it was like the higher the number, the smoother, or the higher the number, the more gritty it is. I'm gonna look into that. Thank we'll you. Have an answer in our grit session next week. Oh, good. We needed that. So, so I've been Rami. I've been Shannon. And uh, this is Workplace Hugs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>